This episode of Bothering the Man with Sean Barna is all about Kismet. Our producer, Abby, saw him open up for the Counting Crows in Boston, loved his music, thought it was a great idea to have him on the podcast, and here we are. Sean. Hello. Hello. First of all, thank you so much for doing this. My name is Ryan. This is my producer, Abby. Hi. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about it more in the in the pod, but she saw you open for the Counting Crows and was like, this guy's great. We should get him on the pod. What city was that? Uh, Boston. It was oh. the last show. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Supposed to be the second show. Yep. So, yeah. Um, this is, you know, we have some really great dumb questions for you. Anything goes. All right. I'm ready if you're ready. We're ready if you're ready. I'm going to take this thing away from one of my dogs has something my other dog wants and it's going to cause problems. So just give me one second. Yeah, do you think? All right. Sorry. One's a puppy and then the other one's whatever. Who cares? We care. You have to tell us all about them now. What kind of dogs are they? Yeah. Uh, the one that's barking is the older one. She's a Corgi Beagle Terrier. So it looks like a Corgi on stilts kind of. And the other one is a... Uh, Australian Shepherd mix, uh, and he's the he's a baby, kind of. He's like 10, 11 months or something, but know, they're ridiculous. Like he gets something from her, and then she barks at him instead of just taking it back, and then I have to intervene. Oh, Very wonderful lifestyle, dad life. Yeah, it's my <laughs> boyfriend that wants all this shit, and here I am. Well, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm great. How are you doing? <laughs> we're doing well. That's how we're starting this episode. Just that <laughs> whole audio sequence. That was, that's a lot of fun. Where are you right now in the world? I'm in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in my house. Okay. Um, it, who, tell, beautiful, is purple, lavender? I don't know. Again, purple. I don't know. There, there's other shades, I'm told, but uh, I just call it purple. Can't see the other dog. I was trying to show you the dogs, but uh, but, uh, tell the listeners about the lovely painting behind you. Well, oh, that's uh, <laughs> is that Maggie Smith? Maggie Smith holding up the middle finger, dressed as the uh, what is a countess or whatever in uh, the show. What's it? Down Abbey. Down Abbey. Yeah. For the yeah, for the for those listening, this is the audio medium. It's uh, Maggie Smith giving the finger. Right behind Sean. This is great. The important thing to know is that I actually sit here all the time. It's not, I didn't put that up for this. Uh, it's there like when I do work stuff sometimes. It's just mm-hmm. there, but that's just where it is. So everyone has to deal with it, I guess. Oh, it's a perfect background, especially for this, for this show. Abby, you should take a screenshot of this because he, he looks great. <laughs> <laughs> I have to, I have to know when you, it's not on the Zoom here, but when you sign your name, do you do the little chub chick over the E? Uh, it's over the A actually. But, or over uh, the A? Yeah, I've started to. I mean, I don't know for the kids listening out there, Facebook used to be better for one thing, but it also used to have um, your personal profile. And if you had a music profile or something, it used to be that you couldn't tell the difference between the two. Uh, and so I wouldn't know if I was on my artist profile or my personal profile. And I was like, well, maybe I need a band name. And I was like, well, I'm not going to do that. So I just, I put an accent over the A, which is actually the old traditional spelling of Sean. That's actually why it's pronounced that way and everything. And I got so much shit 
Or it's like if I had called myself like the kitchen counters or something, then nobody would have said anything. But I put an accent over the A in my name to make it even more traditional. And I got a lot of shit. When you say shit, what do you mean? Like people friends like, making fun of me. Friends who don't write songs or write bad songs making fun of me. Oh, that's no good. Uh, just for the record, I wasn't making fun of you. I was just more or less for uh, for our records, if we should put it there or not. Yeah, it's uh, I like it. It's It makes itself on the uh, most posters. Note, putting it right there. I mean, I like it, but. What was your favorite show as a child? Favorite show as a child? Oh, like, I was thinking concerts. You mean like show, like when I was a kid? Well, now we got to know both. But Well, let's do it. Well, let's start with when I was a child. I, I would, uh, before I went to kindergarten or right after I got back, I would watch The Price is Right obsessively. I like the uh, the wheel. It was on right, like it, I think it was on in noon or something. So it, whenever it was, I could watch it. Because kindergarten was half days back then. I don't know if it still mm-hmm. is. I could watch it right before, right after I got home from school. Uh, other than that, the Ninja Turtles, the animated series from back in the day. <clears throat> nice, good call. Yeah. But then when I was twelve, I went and saw Fleetwood Mac on the dance tour, and it's hard to beat that. Yeah. Two good answers. I uh, Price is Right makes me think of being sick from school or pretending to be sick. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, it was like on right in the middle of the day, which I think most game shows are on at night, but that one's always just yeah. been in the middle of the day, and it's I think the most popular one. Is it still on? Is Drew Carey still hosting it? Yeah, they just had a big anniversary. Oh, oh wow! Do you still watch it? No, I don't watch any TV at all. Zero. I, do interviews, uh, I do watch interviews pretty obsessively. Okay. And uh, Drew Carey was doing some interviews for it. So I, I did watch that. But yeah, yeah, I don't really like TV. I do, you know, like occasionally, like for example, I tried. So my, my partner loves it, loves TV, wants me to watch all these fucking shows. And I try, and it's usually just bad, I think. But uh, I've been watching Ted Lasso with him, which is actually, I usually like darker stuff. Ted Lasso is so good in the first season. And then the second season, it goes way off the rails so bad that neither of us really want to keep watching it. So that's where we're at with that. Oh, I liked it. I thought it, I thought it went darker. It went second. They had that weird episode. And... They had that weird episode that didn't have anything to do with anything. With the beard, the beard guy. Yeah. And yeah. that was fine. But then it's just, the, yeah, I, I will probably go back to it, but it, it kind of lost everything for me. I've been kind of watching The Sopranos again, but I know it so well, and I don't really need to do it. Yeah, but no Downton Abbey. I tried watching that years ago, and I again, I thought it got just kind of bad. Yeah. It's hard to maintain a show well. Agreed. Not that Agreed. I've ever heard of a show. Um, I'm looking down in this list, and I do have – this is weird, and I didn't plan this like this. It's what was your favorite live, like, live concert, favorite concert you've ever been to? So you sticking with Fleetwood Mac? No. I mean, they were great. That's the best they've ever sounded because they were like not too old yet. So they still sounded good, but they also yeah. weren't strung out. So it was like this perfect time. My favorite live concert is as follows. I was in uh, I was in AmeriCorps, like AmeriCorps volunteer. And I was living in um, rural Colorado for a year <clears throat> in a town called Paonia, Colorado. And it's part of the North Fork Valley. In this valley, there is... Peonia, where I was, Hotchkiss, where I worked, which is like nine miles down the road, and then Crawford, which is like the other part of the triangle, Crawford, Colorado. I was walking out of a coffee shop one day and looked to my left and realized that I was walking with Joe Cocker, 
uh, I think it was 60, I think 66 at the time. And uh, we were just walking. I was just like, whoa, because he's like my favorite male singer. Janis Shoppin is my favorite female singer, but he's my favorite male singer. And I learned quickly that he actually lives in Crawford, Colorado, just a few miles from my house. And uh, he has an organization called, uh, he's dead now, but the uh, Cocker Kids Foundation. And, and he basically, this is not, there's not a lot of money in this community. Basically, he bought, he built three libraries for the various towns, beautiful libraries, built a radio studio, Joe Cocker Studios uh, in town, like an NPR type of thing. <clears throat> and uh, he also gives music lessons to kids. So anyway, I was working for an organization and wrote a grant to get um, like library books and some other like science stuff because I was at a river restoration organization, bunch of stuff. And uh, part of the thing is you have to like help them with a groundbreaking or do some volunteer service with the organization, whatever. I got the grant. They called me. They're like, hey, are you 21? I was like, yeah. Can you serve beer and wine? Yeah. Like, well, Joe Cocker's throwing a concert across the street from where I live in this town of 1,000 people at the fairgrounds, and they need people to serve beer and wine. Could you do it? It's already like my favorite singer. I've already seen yeah. him. And so I walk across the street a few months later and go basically bartend at this concert that had like four or 5,000 people at it. And he brought his entire band. His band is notoriously great. The background singers and everything. And uh, I watched a Joe Cocker concert in this sit in this town of a thousand people. She basically quadrupled the population of the town. And uh, I, I was bartending for the first two acts. And then when Joe Cocker came on, my boss said, uh, my dog is going crazy. My boss said, well, grab a beer and go watch the show. And so that was the best concert I've ever seen. And he sounded great. I think the narrative of that one is, is makes it unique, of course, and special kind of kismet how you came into that one yeah it's just cool i mean i've seen lots of people i mean saw crosby stills and nash and young uh you know and that was great and i just watched counting crows 22 times in a row and they are the reason i started uh writing anyway so you know i've seen lots of good concerts but that that one has a little special narrative to me it's kind of a special place in my heart so yeah oh man well i'm gonna skip ahead has adam duritz ever made you a meal yes he has he always posts the he has the cooking thing what did he, he make uh, you well i'm a vegetarian okay he is not mm -hmm. at all i think that fucker will eat anything but um he had me and my partner up for thanksgiving when you're uh maybe it was christmas but he had like a bunch of his family and closest friends there i think i might have been the only vegetarian and he made me an entire separate meal vegetarian food He's a really good cook. It's not, I mean, he's really fucking good at it. It's, it's no bullshit. Uh, I mean, he, <laughs> when he's not releasing records every five or six years, he's cooking and uh, it's really good. And, and he went out of his way to make sure that I had stuff to eat. Like he made like a, whatever he made, he made a, a vegetarian version of it at the same size uh, for me. Cause even like things that you could make vegetarian, he often has meat products in it because it makes it better. Mm -hmm. him uh, yeah he's made me many meals also when i got out of the hospital he let me stay there for a night and had bought me a bunch of insurance and stuff because i had a bunch of intestinal surgery and so uh yes he's made me many meals and bought me many meals not to mention no. he paid for catering at every concert <laughs> so um you had mentioned to us 
via email that you were you had come back from tour and you were you had to work. What what are you doing for work? I'm basically bartending. Okay. I, I'm normally this time of year I start getting asked to do political work. So for the past number of elections, I've been uh, running direct mail programs for progressives, mm-hmm. uh, writing them and the whole the whole thing. I've been doing that on and off, uh, meaning every other year for like a decade or whatever, but that hasn't happened yet. So I'm just bartending and trying to figure out touring in March and I don't know, lots of stuff going on and none of it really happening fast, but yeah, just bartending. That's the answer. So what's it like going from, you know, playing to uh, a giant crowd to going and serving mojitos? Uh, It's really bad. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, at first I was sleeping like 18 hours a day. Uh, probably because I was tired, but it's a really, really, really difficult adjustment. Anyone getting off a tour, but this, in this case, it was, um, shit. It was just like such a heightened experience. You know, I, I've toured before, but this was just next level. And I'm opening for a band I absolutely love. And every night I get to hear them play their 25 hits or whatever to people. And, and not even only their hits, but like their new album and everything else. And it's just really special. And they treat us so well. And I'm friends with the guys in the band. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, people open for Bob Dylan notoriously don't ever get to meet him, but like Adam's one of my best friends. And like, there was no one backstage. So we just wander into each other's dressing rooms and shit. It's just really special. And then I come back here and I'm like, shit, where do I get money? What do I do? I need, I need to do stuff. So it's not, it's not an easy adjustment. It's been very, very difficult, if I'm honest. Yeah, I read somewhere you call it post-tour depression. Yep. And uh, are, like, I don't know, just tell us, like, aside from what you just said, what does that feel like? So it's not poetically humble to go, I bartended for 15 years and know what it's fucking like. It's not poetically humble to go back to your roots not that I don't mind working and I'm not, a, I'm from a working class family. I'm not ashamed to work. Um, that's not really what it is, but I, so let me say this. So when normally when I go on tour, I'm playing in bars and clubs, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and when I come back from tour two weeks or whatever it is, you end up spending a lot of like, for like a couple of weeks, you're like in the bar every night because you kind of miss the vibe. Okay. No. This was like amphitheaters with like 9,000 people in them. And you walk around and I'm signing shit and I'm taking photos and all this stuff. And I know that I'm like uh, uh, having an impact on people's lives, especially young people. And I'm hearing about it. And then, uh, <clears throat> you know, and I don't have to worry about anything. I'm moving. To, I'm basically living the dream I've always had every day for two months. And then I get back home and no bar is going to fix it. No anything's going to fix it. It's like I haven't touched an instrument since I got back. I set them up just so I can kind of get back into it. But it's a, it's just a really severe, like inability to like, you knew where you had to be every, every minute and every day and your sound check and you knew what you had to do and you knew how to take care of your voice and all that stuff. And now I'm just like, the fuck am I doing? Like even like little things like taking out the garbage seems impossible. It's really just depression, I guess. Post yeah, yeah. It's a, yeah, it's PTSD almost, you know, in, in a, and I know they're going in Europe. I know they're going to Europe for two months and I don't know if I'm going yet or not. Cause he hasn't answered me. I'm sure I'm not, but like, I don't know for sure. And I'm trying to book a tour to South by in case I get in. Oh yeah. Or, but you just never know. So. Man, uh, this is why we started, started this podcast. Cause I feel like 
you know, we're such music junkies and, and as fans, we overlook these little idiosyncrasies, these doldrums that, you know, our favorite people go through. And it's wild. Um, and money is the biggest thing. People think a tour like yeah. that, you make a bunch of money, but I was no. paid as a solo artist and I brought five other people with me because I wanted to have a full band. So mm -hmm. Connie Crows is a seven piece band. They sound great. And I wanted to go with everyone. And, you know, that's three hotel rooms a night for two months. And yeah, so now it's just like, I need money more than anything. So that that's kind of, where it's at i don't know now we're constantly surprised we have you know any any number or or level of of fame or whatever fortune on this podcast and the a high percentage of them are like yeah i gotta go gotta go to work right after this and it's it's um i don't know i don't know the word for it but i think you hit it on the head that that feeling you know that listless feeling yeah it's just it's just it's just weird and i've had an album done for like a year and i've looks like maybe i'm gonna have a label that wants to put it out but everything just moves slow you know Tours is that the one you sent me yeah oh man we're gonna talk about that because i fucking love it <laughs> <laughs> but we're gonna jump back into really dumb questions when's the last time you went to a barnes and noble and what did you buy or steal i haven't stole in a while um <laughs> the funny thing is i'm obsessed with books like this is the books I have in Philly there, but I actually have uh, in Connecticut all my, cause that's where I grew up. My parents have, I have like every Stephen King book until like 2003 or something. It's a lot of fucking books. And uh, I love books. I love going into bookstores. Barnes and Noble specifically. I don't know. It's funny as I worked at a place called Union Fair. It's now closed on Fifth Avenue in New York city. And it was a restaurant in and it used to be Barnes and Noble, but the, they're all closing down. And it was like a, full block long and it was a uh, like four bars in a 600 capacity restaurant that might be the last time i was in a barnes and noble but the barnes and noble wasn't there uh honestly i don't i don't know i can't even remember do you feel i was just saying this to abby when i went to a barnes and noble recently and i it almost feels like because of amazon because of all the online bullshit barnes and noble is like the neighborhood bookstore now <laughs> Well, this has the music stores too. It's like the yeah. is fucked and Barnes and Noble is fucked because of Amazon, but it actually opens up a door for the little stores to come back a little bit. Yeah. Because Amazon's, you know, we thought Barnes and Noble was bigger guitar center or Sam Ash, but these guys can't even come close to competing with Amazon. Yeah. A lot of people don't want to buy off Amazon. They want to go somewhere. And that opens up a lot of space for little bookstores or little music stores or little whatever. I think that's really cool. But I'm sure I went on, I probably walked into one on tour because it's a familiar place. Yeah. You're on a tour, familiar places, because they all look exactly the same and smell the same and everything. Kind of nice, but yeah. Okay, I have to ask, uh, did you read Dreamcatcher by Stephen King? I did when it came out, yeah. What did you think of this book? I don't remember. <laughs> no, I was just talking about the film with a buddy of mine. I was like, oh, have you read the book? And he was like- Film's not good, right? It, it's not. The book or the film is not, it's yeah, not his good, best. Right? And it's a hefty fucking book. Yeah, of course it is. I don't know. He missed. He has big misses. He swings big though. I don't care. No, I don't care either. I just read his on writing book, and it it blew my hair. I read back. that a long time ago. That's actually the most. It's the only book I've ever read about writing that's uh, affected me really. Like you know, yeah. that road to hell is paved in adverbs. He says. Yeah. He's, you know, say L Y at the end of stuff or letting people in before the the first draft is finished is so dangerous. Like these are like really great ideas that he talks about in that book that have really stuck with me. <clears throat> yeah. 
Um, I reread read it, it because of the new the new movie. I wanted it to be so great because my mom always said to me, uh, she was so pissed that they made it for TV because it, it you have to leave out a lot, especially in the nineties. Though Tim Curry is the I think to this day the scariest uh, bad guy ever put on film. Uh, it was made for TV, so they had to leave a lot out. And then they made the new movies and wasn't bad but like wasn't great and i, I kind of was like well maybe i'll revisit the the book but i don't know <clears throat> okay do you in- immediately update your phone or do you do you make it wait <laughs> i have a friend who's upset like obsessive about this and he'll like call me and be like have you updated your phone yet like the day it comes out like he's nuts i love him for it but I did just do it last night, so definitely not immediately. I don't um, even need to realize. My, mine's acting up right now. I think it's telling me. It keeps booting me out of Safari and Instagram. All right, another phone question. <laughs> do you store your chargers neatly, or are they a tangled mess? Nothing I do is neatly. <laughs> Whatever okay. questions you have about that. No, I'm not neat. Would you rather a pocket full of glitter or a pocket full of rose petals? I already have a pocket full of glitter. <laughs> Currently? I mean, probably. I'm gay as hell, so I'm sure there's some around here. I mean, I wore a bunch. Yeah, glitter. Great. I love glitter. Gl- right. Listen, if the glitter's in my pocket, it's not destroying the environment. That's the way I look at it. Real. Do you know who French Stewart is? I should. not <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you're not even gonna tell me are you you're just gonna move on to <laughs> no we're gonna move on <laughs> should we tell him abby no. do you know who bridget fonda is is she related to jane fonda you're halfway there <laughs> oh halfway there oh. <laughs> um do you have any erotic deficiencies you took that from my song didn't you yeah maybe <laughs> of course <laughs> we do our research erotic deficiencies uh is a uh <laughs> it's coke dick <laughs> oh uh it's also a coke dick but also like uh re- referencing like it's still referencing like queerness is not particularly okay in the uh, culture and also like having a serious relationship but also needing to like and that's a pretty dark song uh having to do with like being at a bar and looking for like to fuck even though you're with your partner wow i is that not what you wanted (laughs) (laughs) that's perfect (laughs) okay what exactly is eastern junk dancing eastern junk dancing i was in um i was in uh new orleans on a tour the Maybe the maybe the South by Southwest tour. Maybe not. Maybe it was even before that. But anyway, I don't know. I was just trying to write a song about kind of being on the road and liking somebody, and uh, it just it was it doesn't mean anything. It's just like kind of like I was like, what is it? This thing that I try to do where I'm just you know giving up financial security and emotional security and everything else to just go on the road and play these shows sometimes to nobody. And for some reason, I just called it Eastern Drunk Dancing because I was on the Eastern uh, co- Eastern East Coast uh, 
generally that's where I'm from. Mm-hmm. I mean, then I, you know, was down in New Orleans. So it's, it's kind of random, but it, it's just a random uh, set of words that, I don't know, junk is a negative thing. Dancing is a positive thing. Eastern is a location thing. And it's just kind of like, I kind of named what I'm doing, like just giving up everything to do this thing that may or may not work out. And yeah, it's just kind of eclectic term I came up with. It's, yeah, it's nothing particularly specific, but it's just it's just kind of like framed the way that I've lived my life for the past 15 years. I dig it. I like it. So let's all together try to think of what Western junk dancing would be. Well, I guess if you lived in the West Coast, maybe. Um, it's probably slower, more passive aggressive. <laughs> floppy hats. Floppy hats. You know. Probably say words more correctly than we do in New England. Yeah. <laughs> um, what's the last thing you got stuck in your mustache? You have an awesome mustache. Um, food, beer, or cum. That's the only things, really. Yeah. How often? Like, <laughs> so <laughs> it's perfect. Um, <laughs> chicken wings. <laughs> I'll put the sticks down. I'm sorry. No, okay. you're fine, man. Chicken wings. Uh, chicken wings. Get I'm a vegetarian. Stuck. I don't eat chicken wings. Tofu wings. Satan. What? Satan wings. I don't know what that is. I assume it's made out of chicken. I just move on. Yeah. It is surprisingly uh, good. What about what about the wings? I was trying to think of something that's real messy that is inescapable to get stuck in your facial hair. It's, you know, if you have a wing, you can put it in your mouth. It's really like you're biting a sandwich or something. You know, it's bigger. Yeah, sandwich is big. Fucking, it's a mess. But I had long hair for a while and I cut that. And I had to do something that was a little bit ridiculous. And then I was doing this tour for two months and I had movie theater size screens on either side of the stage with my fucking face on it. Generally at most venues, not all of them. I don't think we had them in Boston, but my big mustache was just all, <laughs> all over the screen. I had makeup on. It was very funny. And, and uh, Satan all over the place. Satan. Satan. Okay. Um, for those at home, he had drumsticks in his hand. Are you a drummer first and foremost? First and foremost, yeah, I've been drumming since I was nine. I have a degree in it from uh, Florida State University. I went to Florida State. Live in the Matrix. That's awesome. When did you go? Uh, 2001 to 2006. I would say 2000 to 2003 to seven. Well, there you go. Uh, What did you study? (laughs) Humanities. I don't really know what that means. Liberal arts, but they put uh, a fancy well, spin on it. Well, I did music, classical percussion, and jazz, and then I got a political science degree as well. But um, yeah, I was there. I took that music class with that the guy that they drew the thing. He was old as fuck. I, yeah, I can't. I took his music. It was a music, music professor music. who they made the like the the Indian. The logo yeah. was his face. Yeah. I took his music theory class. HMU, no doubt. Um, wait, mm-hmm, wait. The mm-hmm. guys who the logo of the Seminole is yeah. a living man, no, a I white man. I think is he died. Now? Um, how is this not a thing in cancel culture? Culture, it is. They redid it, it. They redid it like two or three years ago. They just awesome. tinted Seminole, it in Photoshop. I think are actually in approval of that's yeah, the original yeah. one. That's a. Uh, music professor 
he would walk by all the time. I don't remember his name now, but he would always walk by. Thomas something, I think, maybe. Wow. I don't know, but yeah, okay. But well, yeah, I'm cheers. a drummer. <laughs> so I, I did that, and then I, I was a, a touring with Broadway shows for a while as a drummer, and I played drums on all my own records. Um, I was going to ask you if you if you consider yourself a drummer or a guitar player first. I'm not a which guitar one? player. I, I yeah. write. I use guitar to write songs, but yeah, I could be hired as a drummer by. I mean, I don't know. Eric Clapton could hire me as his drummer, mm-hmm. and I could do the job. Uh, I cannot play. I, why did I choose an anti-vaxxer, Eric Clapton? What the, it's because I was reading about it. <laughs> uh, but you know what I mean? Like I, I can play drums at a, at a very high level. Um, but uh, guitar, I, I just do songs and piano even more so. That's the it second is- time that somebody has brought Eric Clapton as an anti-vaxxer up on this podcast. Well, it's been on, in Washington Post. I mean, he's been making a big mess of himself. Man. And Van Morrison? Yeah, but he's always been an asshole. Nobody knew about him. That's Clapton. true. Yeah. No one knew about Clapton. What who else did we talk about? Morrissey. He's he's losing his shit. Silly. Yeah. All these people we like. Are you flexible? Do you mean am I like verse, like top bottom, or do you mean can I reach my toes? <laughs> you tell me, man. No. I just ask the questions. You answer. I am not particularly flexible, though I do try to stretch before I mountain bike. Uh, and the other thing like depends how drunk I am yeah can you touch your toes well, you know what I mean I, I don't know let's fucking see yeah I can I'm not like yeah, I weigh 170 pounds I'm alright Abby can you touch your toes you probably can I'm I'm pee. I can't I can't touch my toes I'm like really far. <laughs> I'm like six. How tall are you, Ryan? I'm six foot when I stand up straight. Me too. Aww. Are you talking? Is this the most informal podcast you've ever done? I apologize. Can anyone see this? I have CDs. Can you them? Yeah, All these kids come up to me from high school. I was in St. Louis. I'll never forget it. These two kids came up. They're high school kids. And, uh, they said, can you sign our CDs? You know, your CDs, whatever. And I said, okay, but like, what the fuck are you doing at a Counting Crows concert? <laughs> I swear to God. And they're like, well, our parents like them, then we like them. That's like, great. Okay. My second question is, do you even know what you're holding? And they're like, yeah, CDs. I'm like, where are you going to play them? They're like, well, I don't know. Anyway. Dude, that's good news. That is, that's a good thing that kids are getting into county crows and cds well it was great i just i I had a lot of great interactions with kids so yeah (laughs) what's the last poetry you read oh you're very poetic in your songwriting well let's see i mean i started reading the uh dream songs john Berryman. oh man i love that fucking book um, cause I'm a big hold steady fan. Yeah. Well, it's nice to think of John Berryman. You know, uh, anyway, they're, me- oh, here come the dogs. Great. Uh, they're mentioned, he's mentioned rather a lot. And so I'm trying to get through that, but uh, poetry is hard for me to focus on. I think cause I have a bit of ADHD, but I, I just got a, um, prescription for some stuff that might help. So we'll see. I, don't I, find- I haven't been reading at all. I can't read on tour and I haven't been reading at all. So. You don't find the shorter, Po- poems allow for more attention than like a novel 
No, I don't really like novels either. I generally read nonfiction, but um, oh, okay. Poems, you have to really focus on each word and how what's going on. I can read, uh, you know, narrative much easier because I don't have to read every word. I can, you know, yeah, laugh yeah. through it really fast. Piece it together. Licorice, yes or no? If it's black, yes. If it's red, not so much. Really? Wow. I love black licorice. My grandfather, hey, stop it, fucker. Don't bite me. Uh, We're leaving all red. of that in. That's fine. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> this informal. I apologize. Um, my grandfather always had black licorice, and I always liked it. And I never liked uh, Twizzlers, like the red licorice, but I always liked black licorice. And uh, he's still alive, and he's almost 90 years old now. I don't know if he eats black licorice anymore, but he's he got me onto it, and I love it. I don't eat I don't eat any candy really, but if black licorice is there, I'll definitely eat it. I knew I was going to ask that question for a reason. All right. Do you have belly button lint right this moment? So fun fact about my <laughs> belly button. So my belly button two years. So I, two years ago, so look at this. This is this. Yeah. It's scar. So two years ago, my large intestine twisted and I had to go into the hospital because I was about to die. And they opened me up with a seven inch you know, incision and took out like half my large intestine, but then they put me back together. And now my belly button does not look like it did for the first 34 years of my life. So, um, yeah, they had to like put it back together. So actually like the hair that would normally grow on my stomach actually kind of, kind of grows in my belly button in a weird way, which freaks me out. But, uh, that doesn't look really weird, but I'm, I, I mean, it's weird to me. I don't know. So I don't, I don't think I have lint, no, but it's no. definitely fucked up. Uh, I have to ask, how does an intestine just twist by itself? It doesn't. Um, my, in my case, my large intestine on my right side, you know, it goes up like in a square. Yeah. My right side for my entire life, it was not connected, which you didn't know until they went into me. But uh, they could see that, you know, there's some tissue that holds it to your body, into your internal body cavity. And mine didn't have it. So my whole life, it's just been hanging there. It's just flopping around. It could happen at any time in my life. You're old, young, or whatever. So 34 years old is about as strong as a man can be, really, you know, physically, uh, biologically. So I got kind of lucky. But it could have happened when I was a baby, and I would have probably been fucked. Or when I was older, and I probably would have been fucked. So, Oh, man. That's terrifying. It wasn't great. No. Uh, do you have any... Well, you have tattoos, right? Yeah. Um, tell us... Tell us about your first tattoo. Oh, dear. Uh, my first tattoo is this one. It says Kyle. That's my brother's name. He oh, died nice. when he was 13. He got hit by a car. And I was 18. But about five years later, I got this tattoo because I'm scared of needles. But I figured if he could get hit by a car, uh, I could get a needle. So that's my first tattoo. Wow. Man. I have a song called first Tattoo that I haven't uh, released, but I have it. Wow. What's your favorite Christmas movie? Oh, man, I don't really like Christmas, but uh, Little Drummer <laughs> Boy, Little Drummer Boy, the song uh, always gets to me. I don't know what it is. Something about him bringing a gift. I'm not religious at all. If I were, I would be the worst Christian ever, maybe. But um, something about him bringing a gift. It's very emotional to me. Yeah. But probably it was probably Rudolph, you know, the, but, you know, the old claymation ones. Yeah. 
probably the best one. But um, yeah, Little Drummer Boy. This I, I'm thinking in terms of the song. I think, but the the story of him bringing a gift, I think, is is very moving. So the new album is fantastic. Uh, you sent us a sample, secret sample. Abby and I have listened to it. I, Did I you really? To, okay. Yeah, yeah. I loved it. I loved it a lot. Um, on repeat, and it, it's definitely, maybe I'm biased, but it, it's very poetic to me, um, especially like a like in a storytelling sense. And I, I need to know what... Uh, what you order at uh, Macri Park? Uh, you're usually there, you know, you'll maybe you'll get an eight ball and like a tequila. I have done both of those things there. <laughs> You've been to Macri Park? Of course, of course. Ah, um, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was just, I was, I was right in, I was in McCarran Park, um, like very close to it this past weekend. You're in New York. I'm not in New York, but I lived in new york for a very long time i love new york it is my first home it is my home i'd say so, so. mac macri park isn't i mean it's it's i'm joking about the order you know i ordered like miller high life but um yeah yeah what miller what um miller high life what uh macri park was to me is this place where like this like island of misfit toys where people come and uh you know people generally all the people i'm hanging out with all the queer people or don't have a home with their family they were given it's all chosen family stuff and you have weird people or artistic people or people that are having a hard time and they all kind of just come to this place and congregate and be around other people that will accept them kind of no matter what as long as you're not weird like meaning creepy mm-hmm. uh but macri park you know my partner did drag and i was there kind of involved in the drag scene not as a drag queen but just as a supporter and friend and uh it was just so such an important i was there a bunch of times a week it was such an important uh part of my new york experience and i met so many friends there one of my friends just got came here this weekend to uh, visit us and they're from there too but uh i i kind of was um fascinated you know like in the 70s like lou reed would write about new york or yeah. whatever people would write about a scene and, and people don't really do that anymore people think about the song itself and trying to write a song that's catchy or whatever but i was like well i want to take an album and write about a scene and capture various moments so like disco nap is kind of like you start with the kind of the emotional, emotional, like this distress. And then you kind of, you arrive at Macri park as if it's this grand entrance, but it's just a shitty dive bar, yeah. you know, and all this stuff. And then like the next song, Benjamin Wishaw is about me going to work, you know, after being like out all night and I'm tired, I don't want to go work in. And then I see this beautiful actor and then boys and girls erotic deficiencies is about when like you're really moving and like people are really up. Uh, and like, it's getting really like sexual and late and all that stuff. And then, uh, I don't even remember the next one, but you know, the lonely is about like, you're just, you're yeah. back yourself. That and fucking it, song and... is so good, dude. That may be my favorite song on the, on the record. Getting that a lot. Yeah. I mean, there's just something about it. Abby, you would like this place a lot. Um, it hasn't even opened yet. No, yeah, temporary. Same owners as Metropolitan, which is open, but Macri Park is not open yet. Yeah, it's one of those places where it's like in 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 that area, it was like, where do you want to go? I don't know. And then you just end up there. Like that was the common denominator for I us, mean, for I, me and my I've advice. sat with the bartender until like eight in the morning while he counts money and make sure he's safe. You never yeah. want to leave 
anyone alone doing that. And just kind of like been there, I was just kind of like a, I don't know, like a little side protector, you know, cause I had security, but yeah, I used to make my friends do that in, in the city. When I would bartend uptown in Harlem, I'd be like, Hey, come here. I'll pour you beers while I sweep mop close up. Cause I'm the only one there. You can't, well, they wouldn't let anyone stay alone at this place. Like, yeah. And so I would there be there drinking high lives and, uh, you know, make sure everyone's safe. Not that I'm a, it's really the power of numbers. Like there's two yeah, of us. Yeah, of course. Who's fuck with us. And also I kick, I kick people out of that bar all the time. They're being fucking weirdos to the drag queen. Dude, I I always said that. They're like, well, why do I have to leave? And I'm like, this is a courtesy. I'm not going to touch you. I'm telling you to leave. If you don't yeah. leave that bitch over there in six inch heels who walked here in the middle of the day and got on a fucking train in full fucking face she's not scared of you and the last goddamn thing you want is her to come over here and remove you from this bar because they will they this is a courtesy that i was asked to do that it's like you don't want to deal with that and they would always leave it's dead serious you want that yeah, bitch yeah. wearing full face it may be it might be dark now but it wasn't when she walked over here you know so like get out of here you're gonna have to deal with some stuff I like what you said about writing about a specific uh, specific place and how no one really does that a lot anymore. My heroes have done that where it's so specific. You almost got to look that shit up. Fucking, I mean, like Springsteen, the Asbury Park. Yeah. It's like Green's Asbury Park. Whatever. That's a that's a scene. You know, who's writing about it? Um, even the way that like Joni Mitchell or Crosby Stills Nash would write about Laurel Canyon. Mm-hmm. Um, Adam Counting Crows right about Hollywood or whatever. It's not it doesn't have to be a you know a concept album. I kind of move into that. Like I I want there's there's a place in New York where people can go and be accepted and be safe and be safe. Like you could go up to the drag queen, no matter how famous she is, and say, Hey, I don't feel safe because of this guy, and the whole fucking show will stop and that motherfucker will be moved out of the premises. I think that's so important. And uh you know, like I, nobody's writing about that stuff and certainly not queer songwriters in some kind of rock and roll situation. You know, it's like, I don't know. It, it just seemed like a, nobody was saying it. So I said it. It's very poetic to me. I loved it. All right. Well, we can't thank you enough for doing this. That's our fucking show. Oh, that's it? <laughs> yeah. Do you have any questions for us? I don't know. How's it going? <laughs> Abby, what are the, <laughs> it's going great, man. That went so fast. How was the show in Boston? Yeah. Let's talk about that. It was fantastic. Did you I see Counting said- Crows, uh, the stage manager and the drummer ruined my last song? <laughs> that was great, right? Um, Wait, what did they nobody do? Nobody noticed anything. I thought the whole thing was great. I fucking noticed. <laughs> Is this where they like cut your audio or something? No, well, no. They uh the drummer of Counting Crows came on and started taking my drummer's shit off the stage. And the stage manager of Counting Crows um detuned my <laughs> bass player's bass. Like while so, you were still playing? Yeah. And then the show before in Atlanta, the drummer put on a fake mustache, stole this hat from my dressing room, stole some sparkly clothes I had, and came on stage. And started singing with me with a live mic. And he's standing next to me singing my songs, which he can't sing. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, they fucked with us bad. <laughs> but they really liked us, but it doesn't. 
I was going to say, that sounds like a thing where you only do if you like someone. So. Yeah, like some kind of tour hazing. Right. Did, uh, did you guys get what you wanted for this podcast? I feel... Uh... Absolutely. Aside from, you got to tell us what's next for Sean Barna. Oh, fuck. What's next? I'm trying to book a tour in March, hopefully play South by Southwest, and then it looks like my album will be released in late 2022. I'm also going to be part of a, a Clash compilation album uh, benefiting the uh, IRC. Um, looks like that got approved today. So I covered uh, Hitsville, UK. Oh, yeah. Pretty good. That's awesome. I can, I can send you that if you want. You just can't share it. Your secret is safe with us. aside from when this comes out i mean we're not going to share the the music but we'll tell everyone about it like everyone keep a lookout for an evening at macri park by sean barna it's a fantastic record go follow i wrote a lot of it on uh, adam's piano in new york i was cat sitting for him and he has a uh, baby grand and i I wrote a lot of it there oh man see this this is what we live for tell us more uh, that song um be a man okay so be a man the song six it's the first the opening track is that slower like that's what it started as you know if you walk to the fire would you notice that i wrote that on his piano i have like three long voice memos of me improvising that and then uh when i was recording it i did that but i also did the faster version but, and then um oh benjamin wish i smiled i wrote that on adam's piano too it's very oh, funny man. <laughs> I feel like you got big things coming in the future. Not that you have. Wait, I fucking hope so. You do, man. Okay, everyone, you heard it here first. You're, you know, this is going to be one of those things in a year or whatever. When your album comes out, your new album comes out, you're gonna be like, "What was that little podcast I did?" What I, I like talking to people, meeting new people. It's always cool to talk, talk to new people. So. <laughs> Well, we're giant fans. We can't thank you enough. Everyone follow Sean Barna on Instagram. It's just his name. And when you write his name, put the little uh, emphasis over the A. Not on any of the, the handles, though. You can't do that on Instagram. You can't handle. do that on the handles, but it is on your, it's in the title. It'll all probably work. Yeah. <laughs> My dogs are losing it. What are your dog's names? I don't think we got those, did we? Judy. Hey, Judy. Judy. Hey, baby. Hey, girl. She's my baby. That's my baby, though. This is my best girl. He's an asshole, but he'll get older and I'll like him better. Who's he? That's Harvey. Harvey and Judy. Yeah, go get him. Go get him. Go get him. I love people names on dogs well judy people like oh judy like judy garland i'm like yes and judy dench judy dench then harvey's harvey milk and harvey fierstein and i'm actually facebook friends randomly with harvey fierstein i've never met him but i just for some i don't even know why but i'm a facebook friends with harvey fierstein and i told him that we named our dog after him he was very happy (laughs) can we get we got to get harvey fierstein on the on the podcast I am Harvey Fairstein. <laughs> oh man, this has been a lot of fun. Again, thank you so much. No problem. Everyone, keep, keep in touch. I'd love to meet up with you too. And if I'm ever famous, which I don't imagine, I'll, I'll come back and help you out and do more. <laughs> you you already are famous. 
I wish. You're <laughs> signing CDs and shit. All right. This is Bothering the Band. Follow us on Instagram as well. And uh, again, listen to Sean Barna's music and keep a lookout for an evening at Macri Park. This has been Bothering the Band. There you go. Stand on your princess, post all your prices, paint your lips red, and let's get to the choices. Sure, boys will be boys with their glamour and poise. We came for the party, but we stayed for the noises. Don't need reasons, just east and young dancing. Soft to the touch, baby, just take your time. It's not medicine, just juniper permission. My Margaret Thatcher of the Lower East Side. This town is a warning It's shaking your tits While the world is burning Won't you come with me Won't you come for me Come be a bitch with me In New York City Don't need reasons Just ease and young dancing Soft to the touch Baby, just take your time It's not medicine Permission, my Margaret Thatcher of the Lower East Side. Keeping her counsel with the queens in the corner. She talks, she talks, but the boys, they never want her. She keeps them wanting, but wanting is needed. Down comes the curtain, it's gorgeous, but we're leaving. Don't need reasons, just ease and young dancing Soft to the touch, baby, just